This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hi, this is Inside Alberta. I'm Don Braid, political columnist with Post Media and The Herald, and I'm with Chris Farco, also a Post Media columnist, mainly on the business side. And, uh, you know, we're talking about the election, of course, what else? And this is the final week. We're, we're, at this point, we're recording this. We're just a few days away from the vote. And uh, we're trying to decide if there's been any defining moments. Like, you think back to 2015, okay? Math is hard, Don. Math is hard. It still is for me. That didn't change a thing. <laughs> um, and and when, when Rachel Notley said that, Jim Prentice didn't handle it well. And, and you knew. You just could sense it in your bones. Everybody knows that immediately. It, it, that one crazy thing, because the PCs were weakened already and people were upset with them, kind of was the defining moment. And, you know, also at this point in that campaign in 2015, Chris, Rachel Notley had a poll that showed they were going to win. And she was stunned to receive that, to get that poll. They still hadn't expected anything like that. And they had to start working on transition. And that's a big deal, getting a transition team, because she had to stop campaigning for a day and a half while they worked all that stuff out. And um, and now, of course, Jason Kenney's people have been planning transition for for weeks and weeks but but the point is that they're ha- we're having trouble finding that moment in this campaign if there is any such moment uh, first of all a great aggregation of polls have not shown big momentum uh, some chipping away by the NDP some lost by the UCP but have you what's your defining moment here can you see one we might look back at and say well that was it yeah you and I were talking about this and I'm stunned by the fact that there's nothing that obviously clicks to mind immediately. You and I, were just before we began this conversation, we're talking off mic about some of the campaigns that you and I have both yeah. seen. And I think back, Don, to the 2004 provincial election campaign that was Ralph Klein's last campaign as the PC leader. And he made he came to Calgary and made some controversial remarks about the age program. And I think a lot of people, including myself, looked at that and thought, what the heck? It really signified a government that had run out of gas. Yep. In 2008, you and I both can remember Stelmack and Taft fighting over the how to handle the boot or the healthcare, right. you know, 2012, the Bozo eruptions. We don't, you know, we don't even. Oh, need that to say was more. that was unforgettable for sure. Yeah, the Lake of Fire turned it around against Wild Rose, right? But I can't really put my finger on a defining moment. Well, and let me take you back even further. Like the the 1993 campaign. By the way, folks, I've seen and covered every election since 1979, uh, roughly a hundred of them. I don't know how how many. (laughs) But the 1993 election was fascinating because you had, first of all, the Liberals won the biggest opposition contingent, 35 members, 35 seats, that any opposition party has ever won to this day. Uh, and, and But the fight then was between Lawrence DeCore, the Liberal leader, subsequently passed away, and Klein, 
um, uh, Decor was leading the Liberals afterwards and unfortunately got cancer and passed away. But th- this was about about uh, cutting debt. It was all about cutting debt. And the Liberals lost in the view of some because they were too tough on cutting debt. They were tougher than Klein was, if you can believe it. So it wasn't even a divisive election in a funny kind of way. You know, you, you really can't find anything like this this one for divisiveness. So. It's so corrosive. And, and yeah. maybe that's what I'm going to remember, you know, four years from now is looking back about just how this is there's been just such a corrosive attitude such negative campaigning from you know from the sides of the two major parties and i mean you just what are you going to walk away from and think about on this i I think what you're going to think about is that the electorate was angry that the parties were angry, and maybe that's a representation of the mood in Alberta in 2019, that there's a lot of anxiety and there's a lot of uncertainty about where we're heading economically and where we're heading as a province, and, and maybe that captures the mood of this province right now. Well, there was one event last week that you were at, and we were talking about this, that's kind of brought everything together. It brought Ottawa together. It brought a couple of terrible federal bills together. It brought Notley together. It brought right. Kenny together. And uh, maybe we'll see that as at least emblematic, if not determinate. Maybe you could tell us about it. Sure. So so this is Tuesday, downtown Calgary in the Eau Claire market, and the Senate has come to Calgary to hold hearings on the hated bill C-69. This is the environmental impact assessment bill that many people in the oil patch say will lead to no more pipelines being built. So the hearings are going on, and there's a steady parade of executives from oil companies appearing before the committee, warning about the impact of, on this bill on the energy sector and the flight of capital that has gone on in the industry. And it, that's definitely making an impression. Then, as this is going on, down the hallway in exactly the same hotel in the Sheraton is Rachel Notley appearing uh, online in front of hearings before the Senate on Bill C-48, the tanker moratorium bill. Uh, and she's uh, obviously representing the anger that she and her government is feeling towards the bill, which she thinks is really directed at Alberta, a double standard, I think is the term she used. She's right, by the way. Moments later, upwards of, I would say, a thousand people are out front of that hotel in the Eau Claire market chanting, kill that bill and we want jobs. And these are people who, you know, are downtown Calgary at 10 in the morning are angry and they want that legislation stopped. And all of a sudden, Jason Kenney <clears throat> appears in his pickup truck uh, and reaches out on the side of it, le- leans over the rails, and begins to speak. And someone handles, hands him a, a you know, megaphone. And he impromptu gives about a 10-minute rip-roaring speech, which has people cheering. Uh, and it's really directed as, as much against Justin Trudeau and his energy policies than it is against Rachel Notley and her energy policies. But my point is, is it really, I thought, was a snapshot in time that cast captured that mood of anxiety and anger and you know and maybe that maybe that's the signature at least in my mind maybe that's the signature moment yeah and uh, you know we're not seeing much momentum right i agree with you that's sort of a very emblematic moment because it brought all these uh, forces together and, and i had an interview with Natalie the other day that she actually his her people asked if i wanted to interview well you don't say no if you're in our jobs to an interview with the premier or an opposition leader so right so off i went and and uh, i asked her if she's if 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 she thinks jason kenney is too angry and if she's angry enough, or at least comes across as angry enough, so she says she's she comes across as determined. Yes, she does think Jason Kenney's too angry. And there's a little point there. If there's any movement going on now, is it going to be toward a more moderate approach? I think we're seeing a little bit of kickback 
from people who are just so fed up with all this, and, and they realize there are problems. We all agree on the problems, but in a, in a better way to solve them. And, you know, there has been a little blip of support for the Alberta Party, which is very carefully presenting itself as conservative, but so but socially progressive, but very much in the middle and more reasonable. And, and I've heard quite a lot from people in the last few days thinking about voting for them or not voting or maybe voting NDP because they're kind of worried about what Kenny's world will be like the week after after uh, the election you know what's gonna what's it gonna be like on Wednesday are we just all of a sudden going to be fighting uh, with with everybody and uh, what's the result of that does that make things worse or better um, so but is it enough to move them off the plate for the election uh, it doesn't seem so at this point anyway the other thing that I think everybody needs to remember is that whoever gets elected and is in government on Wednesday morning is facing exactly the same challenges that we faced a month ago, or maybe even six months ago or a year ago, which is you know low natural gas yeah. prices, uh, no pipeline access on the oil side, at least you know nothing imminent. Um, we've got high unemployment. A new report came out this week uh, in the petroleum sector saying it expects 12,500 jobs are going to be at risk. You know, ostensibly that they'll be lost in part because of curtailment, and in part because of low commodity prices, in part because of the flight of capital that we've just spoken about. Those problems are real and all the rhetoric in the world and all the campaign promises aren't necessarily going to solve them but somebody as you point out has to pick up the pieces afterwards and try and put the puzzle back together yeah the the job thing is just uh absolutely punishing now many people think that notley's government is partly responsible for the job losses and maybe to some degree they are but the, but that's huge like those people unemployed people there are a thousand of them. you cannot ignore that people yeah okay 90 percent or more 93 percent or more of people in calgary are still employed maybe not all in the kind of jobs they had before all this happened right but when you've got that many people particularly young people unemployed it's a tremendous anger generator and kenny's strategy has been hold the anger ramp up the anger like when he decided to proclaim bill 12 that's the one that could cut oil shipments to bc and the rest of canada right when he just said he's going to proclaim that right away we're going to find out what that what does that mean exactly but but really i mean bc hasn't really done anything lately it's mostly been judges in ottawa who made a decision that hurt the pipeline horgan's people even seem to be uh, backing off a bit. They acknowledged in court recently that they cannot stop the pipeline. Um, so what's the point of that? And where does that take us? And are people going to be questioning whether we really want to go there full bore? Um, as Natalie suggested the other day, you know, those other people have powers too. Like if you want to really make the federal liberals mad, they can just delay the pipeline, go right through May. When you wrote an interesting column this week where you talked about those very issues about, you know, what are the federal liberals going to do if there's a Jason Kenney government? And and, uh, what happens with the Trans Mountain Pipeline? I I, I agree with your your line in the column about the fact is the federal liberal government just spent $4.5 billion on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. They're not about to let it sit and and, uh, and gather dust, the expansion project. Uh, They see the need for it. But but they the, the, might well let it slip exactly. until after the election because the, the, the federal people that I spoke to tell me that their big deal with what Kenny is saying is he'd take the cap off the oil sands because they use the 100 megaton cap, which we wouldn't reach for years anyway. We're at 70 megatons Or may now. never reach it, to be may, honest. May never if, with technology improving. But they, they put that specifically in their, their – uh, submission to the the climate accord, uh, the hundred megaton cap made 
the uh, meeting Canada's targets possible. And that was even in the order and council that they wrote, the cabinet put out in 2016, uh, enabling the original pipeline. So what will they do? How does, uh, look at it this way, if if Jason Kenney's elected next week, and then a month later, Justin Trudeau gives him a pipeline. Do you think Trudeau really wants to have Jason Kenney <laughs> dancing around saying, hey, I got a pipeline. Look how easy it was. I don't know what's going to happen with it. And the, the, I think the general consensus from the feds is that they probably will go ahead at the end of May, but I'm not convinced. So, Don, we're heading into the home stretch, as you pointed out, and we've just got a few days left. What are you going to be looking for here in the last, uh, in the last couple of days? Well, <laughs> to find out who wins this thing uh, and to see if there's any uh, momentum. But as far as, as what's going to be going on in the next few days, I think more of the same. Uh, everybody's still hoping or somebody else is going to get embroiled in scandal in the last few days or something else is going to happen. Uh, something, you know, the, the, the many things that have come out about the UCP and some of their people, like the my unfavorite is a guy who thinks yoga is sinful and he's a UCP candidate. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's, but that stuff hasn't, hasn't done it because when you've got this overarching economic thing, it's just, it just folded up most of that other stuff in the main. But so is there enough of that going on to change things? I just don't know, Chris. I there's mean, no, I don't. There's no new policy, obviously, and we haven't seen really any new policy uh, yeah. from the two main parties for, for several days now. So, yeah, it just seems like, I don't want to say we're playing out the string, but as you say, it's, it's really now more about getting out the vote and, and activating your yeah. people and, and getting them to the polls. Well, and getting out the vote has been important this week because of uh, the advance polls, which had a huge turnout. Like, we know there's going to be a big turnout. 140,000 compared to, what, 50,000 in 2015? Even that being such a divisive election. So it suggests a really, really high voter turnout now. Uh, you know, most people would say that given the formation of the UCP, a combination of the parties, that, that that's that's good for the UCP. We shall see. We're going to find out in a few days. We'll talk next week.